What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fire Talk here with the It's Lit Reviews team. I'm Jake, joined by Adam, Cole, Bailey, Matt, and Aaron. Ron is on the road and unable to join us, which means he is leaving his team out to dry this week. Uh, gentlemen, anything you want to say to him before we get started? I mean, there's still a chance that he's going to show up like in 10 minutes, 15 minutes and be like, oh, sorry, guys. I mean, no, he texted honestly, me saying, nah. honestly, he was probably a, a detriment to the team. And, and let's be honest, the 90s have no shot. So, nope. yeah. We'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to. I've got it all here. So to set the stage for everybody here real quick before we get started. So last week we talked about our favorite movies from the 80s. We had a lot of good trips down memory lane. Some uh, homework being assigned of movies that hadn't been watched by individuals. Uh, I don't think that homework got accomplished because, you know, we're lazy and none of us ever do our homework that we're supposed to do. Uh, what are we, in college? I've never done homework. <laughs> Didn't do you, homework in college just... either. <laughs> <laughs> and the week before that, we went into our 90s movies talking about the best and favorites of all time. We realized uh, that both decades have some seriously good movies. One and of them so we decided is better than the other. I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. But we decided that this uh, this week we're going to debate the two. We have two teams. It was going to be Adam, Ron, and Cole versus Bailey, Matt, and Aaron. Uh, it's now just a, a 2v3 matchup. We're going to kick things off. We have three main categories we're going to dive into. We're talking like the best movie of the decade and seeing how they stack up head to head. And then actresses and actors and directors. Uh, Adam and Cole, you guys are down a person, so I'll let you guys go first. Kick us off with the 80s. I mean, listen, I just want to tell you that Aaron, Bailey, and I have spent literally minutes preparing our strategy, so. <laughs> well, like, it's, it's, a, it's an even playing field, then. <laughs> <laughs> minutes of my life. Piles of seconds. Well, I mean, we can start the 80s off with, you know, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. No, no, oh, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a movie I hadn't watched until I was actually I think like last year. I'd never God. seen it at all. You'd never seen it never, at all. Never seen like I knew the ref, like I knew references I mean, to it, but I I had never actually watched it until wow. like last year, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. So that movie was playing at Armature Works. I was like the movie in the lawn for Halloween. And they did that thing where they like sell tickets for free beforehand to try and reserve spots and then no one did it. There were so <laughs> many children. Like that movie is not for children. No. If you guys no. haven't seen it recently, no. do a rewatch. I don't okay. remember one, how graphic, two, how many curse words are in that okay. movie. But that's just the 80s. Like <laughs> right. people were just like, like, yeah. yeah. Like, but children like under 10 or like just in like the I can't get into a PG-13 movie yet and they were just sitting there like eating burgers with their parents and their parents were just kind of saying like oh oh yeah oh god well we're here like <laughs> no I mean it was, like I said it was the 80s people were like yeah kids can hear the word fuck and see some boobs it's fine like <laughs> Matt and Aaron which team are you guys on again <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds like they're on our team. Uh, I'm working. I'm, I'm loving like it. Beetlejuice. So. <laughs> now, are you saying Beetlejuice is so, the best movie of the 80s? or No, no. We're just getting started. Oh. 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 We're, oh. we're oh. just Sorry. getting started. This is like a special two-hour show? Here, here, we're be here. Well, it might be a special two-hour show by the time we're done. <laughs> the, the 80s is literally the better decade because of how many careers it launched. I got, uh, I got 26 right now that are very relevant today. 
I could go through and all that's, of them. That's just actors. Uh, that's yeah. a, that sounds like more like into the next category we're talking about. I'm just, I want yeah. to talk quality of movie, though, being put out. Doesn't matter the quality of actor actresses, which I mean generally okay. lends itself to good okay. movies. So you just want you just want quality films. Quality, quality films, films, huh? Yes. All right. So where, where should we start? Should we start with Indiana Jones? Maybe Die Indiana. Hard. Oh, Die Hard for sure. Oh wait, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Uh, oh, two Star Wars films. Platoon. Uh, Karate Kid. Full Metal Jacket. Raging Bull. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Shining. Bill and Ted's Excellent it, Adventure. Did. They did. They definitely e. rehearsed this. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. How about the follow-up to Alien? Aliens. And not and as good as Alien. You can't forget the Terminator. Oh, yeah. What about Raging Bull? I already said. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and we'll, 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 we'll put the cherry on the top with this one. The first major cross between animation and live action. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. That's the cherry on top to the eighties. <laughs> we, we already we already nailed out like most it's, of them. It's a cult classic, but it's not. What was the last time you watched it? The cherry on top. You eat it first, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's gone, it's and you get down into the rest then, of the song. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I will, that movie recently. that movie is not the most kid appropriate movie either. So it's no. rather no. difficult to watch. <laughs> Again, oh. the 80s. They just didn't care what the kids were watching. They nope. were just like, yeah, they can, they can do whatever. It was before all of the new TV ratings and the um, well, Ocean Picture Association revamped their and the development system. of like, further child psychology where they realized how outside sources can affect their development. <laughs> I mean, look at, how the, look at how the 70s turned out. I mean, then, back, <laughs> back to the Future is rated PG, and that movie, they, they swear left and right in that movie. So like. <laughs> And I mean, the plot of the movie is literally his mom is trying to have sex with him. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, that's the case of mistaken identity for the rest of it. That's it's, a, it's a subplot. It's not a, the plot of the movie. Uh, Come on. It's still a plot. It's still part of the whole thing. I will give him that. I'll, I'll give him that, yeah. It's just not the, the plot. It's, this brings me... guys counted careers I, that the 90s started. Which we forgot about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, that's... We did which brings first. me to my main rebuttal. The movies of the 80s were just weird. They were weird. But they were good weird. What do you mean they were weird? Uh, again, give me, I asked when was the last time you context. watched most of them. <laughs> like, some of them were just strange. Like, good for entertainment's sake, but they weren't, like, they didn't have the kind of value. We have a lot more of, like, oh, so you're saying they're original? attached to those things. No, oh, no, no. I'm saying we have a nostalgia we attach to it, but then when we go to watch it, when we go to watch it again, it doesn't hold up. Yep. I don't, I don't agree I, with I, that. I don't agree with that either. I'm not saying all movies. I'm just, like, some of the ones that, like, you guys named are very interesting and like i definitely have like fond childhood memories of watching them but like when i rewatched them as an adult i'm like what is this people paid this much money for this yeah i agree when i'm the i'm gonna need specific examples of that besides who framed roger rabbit (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's a prime one right what other movies did we say that you guys get that feeling about like the karate kid i have no interest in watching the karate kid again karate kid is a classic wax on wax off a lot of the movies that you guys listed are good movies, but it's they're not movies that I get excited about rewatching. Like the '90s, like a lot of the '90s movies, I'm like really excited to rewatch again. Okay, and I, I, I don't think no, I think not I'm, watching Liam before time. That just I think an area where the '80s are majorly lacking is in uh, like the 
the serious prestige dramas. I can't deny you that. I mean, I'd say that the biggest, the biggest one would probably be uh, is that Network News? I can't remember what it's called. See, can't even I, have, think about I it. have it written down, but I have to go to my notes really quick here. Broadcast News, that's what it is. And I mean, a disclaimer for our, our audience here, Adam and Cole are both the elder members of our, of our group here. And so, I mean, they, have, they do have a little bit more of a uh, appreciation for these in terms of like the rewatchability because they are childhood films, essentially. Because they've already uh, done been rewatching it. I mean, okay. Adam and Aaron so, are the same age, just saying. I mean, if we want to go with just... <laughs> Which is why I fought for the 90s. Just straight up watch, rewatchability, you have three major trilogies that either were fully in the 80s or at least the second two-thirds of it were in the 80s. You said Star Wars and Back to the Future. Star Wars, Back the to the Future, and Indiana Jones. Uh, I didn't realize all three of the Indiana Jones movies were in the 80s there. Nope. True, they were. I've, nope. The only thing I remember about Indiana Jones, and this is not the fact that I haven't like watched it, and it's not, I guess it's not the only thing I remember. The thing that sticks out to me the most is it's like one of the only movies that my grandmother had in this tower VHS storage case that was worth watching. She had like <laughs> 30 movies in this tower case and there was like the three Indiana Jones movies and the rest of them I had never yes, heard of. The rest of them were all just run. westerns. I think so. Probably. <laughs> Which grandma was it? Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with a good western John Wayne or... I agree with you now. I didn't I, have an appreciation for westerns as like an eight-year-old though. No, I agree with you on that. That's when I watched the most westerns when I was like eight and ten years old. I didn't enjoy them, but I did watch them. My dad loves John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and I've seen them all. So. All right, so 90s, uh, give, give me your best movies then. What do you, what do you guys have in response? Because I will give them this. They're, they might lack the rewatchability. They have some seriously good trilogies and a lot of original screenplay. Yeah. And we didn't even name, I could probably name 10 more that are original screenplays that we didn't name. I'm just saying. And we didn't even start discussing, in our little discussion group, we didn't even start discussing the trilogies because I think that trilogies are great, but I think that they, like, they need to be factored in, but they also, to me, are separate when you're telling a continuation of a story. I, I personally like to, I, lo- I know I love trilogies. I've watched all the famous ones, but um, I like movies a lot that can encapsulate in one Thing, personally. I mean, I feel like Not I can. Correct. I feel like I can uh, almost end the argument with two words: Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> That's like a middle of the road argument, right there. Playing, playing to the audience. Jurassic Park does not does not encapsulate and make the '90s the best. Come on. I mean, well, if you're talking head to head, head, if you're talking head to head movies, and you're trying to make a, a, a March Madness bracket, which which movie are you tossing from the '80s against Jurassic Park to win? Aliens, Predator. No, no, no. no. I'm probably probably going Emperor Strikes Back. That'd probably be your strongest contender against Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, but I mean, the '90s isn't just Jurassic Park. Uh, you've got so many good movies in the '90s. Silence of the Lambs. You've got Saving Private Ryan. Schindler's List, and that's just Steven Spielberg. Like. <laughs> I mean, think about, you, you, and you have something from every genre. Like, there, that's something where, like, you have Amistad, which is super dark and historical, but, like, amazingly acted, amazingly executed. Never heard um, of it. No. 
You've never heard of Amistad? Yeah, did you guys not have to watch that in high school? Was that our generation? The only thing I've ever heard of. Watch that movie. Yeah, watch that movie. Yeah. I only know it from the, the song lyric. Uh, <coughs> I think it's by the script or something. I'll look it up as, yes. as you guys are telling uh, more. Yeah, I'm going to be sending you that movie in the mail. So just look out for it. Um, we used to watch it like religiously in high school. Um, but I mean, you've got comedy. You've got Mrs. Doubtfire. You've got all the Robin Williams movies. You've got romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. You got wonderful horror movies coming out. Uh, the Hunt for Red October. I mean, you got the Cold War. You've got all the different war genres going on there. You know, we've got some gateway things in horror that had never been done before. So I just think, like, you've got a lot of different things from a lot of different genres that all present very strongly, and we're all were winning many awards at that time. And I mean, the ninety. I need, I need I need to get clarification is what you're referring to as gateway things in horror that had never been done before because the 90s definitely did not invent horror. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think they invented horror, but like some of the I mean, just some of the suspense building techniques, I think like there are definitely some in Alien as well. They take a lot of time with silence, jump scares in Alien, but like there's something about that basement in Silence of the Lambs that will stay with me for the rest of my life. I still, I've still really only heard three movies from you guys from the 90s, so. Pulp okay, we've said way things. more than three movies. We didn't movies. practice a little Shut your mouth. Pulp we didn't Fiction, practice that either. Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, Seven, Forrest Gump, uh, and I mean, and I mean, Let's jump into the Disney Renaissance here. You've got Aladdin, you've got Beauty and the Beast, you've got every classic Disney movie came out in the 90s. Hercules, you've got... Pixar started in the 90s. You got Toy Story. You've got Bugs Life. You've got Toy Story 2. Like, I mean, come on. It just doesn't hold a candle to the, the 80s. Just don't hold a candle I, to anything. But I gotta, I gotta throw some rebuttal in there in the fact that I feel like the 80s set up the 90s for what it was. I mean, I mean, yeah, to be more successful. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I to, was even, say. to even have the 90s, you have to have the 80s. The I mean, 80s created the works. horror genre, the romantic comedy. It all started in the 80s. You Rob guys Reiner. can set us up, but we still have the better movies. That's a no. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm still waiting till we get to the actors and actresses. And uh, we're not even there yet. So, All right. I'll, I'll, I understand what you uh, There's. I was honestly surprised. Uh, I'll be fully transparent on how many good movies that Adam and Cole named from the 80s that I hadn't realized were 80s movies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen that. It's a good movie. That's a good movie. Um, in the 90s, I mean, it is chock full of good movies. So I'm not going to like say, declare a winner of like a round. We're just going to kind of wait until we get to the end here. Um, but to the point I was making earlier about the song lyric, it is uh, You Found Me by the Fray in the Corner of First and Amistad. That's the only thing like I know of that reference even to. I don't um, think that's referencing I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it is. But that's what I'm saying. That's the only place I've ever even heard the word before. And then uh, I have a trivia question for you guys because you brought it up with Toy Story. So Toy Story was the second movie to ever feature a CGI character as its lead. What was the first in a feature film? I don't Ooh. know. It was beaten by six months before Toy Story. Don't I have no yet. idea. I have no idea. All right. The answer will come after the next round here. So, 90s, actors and actresses. Who do you guys got? What, what, who is your best actor or actress from the 90s and why? <laughs> uh, there's a single actor who completely dominated the 90s. Every single film he put out was gold. Tom Hanks. About. Yep. Like Tom Every Hanks. 
Tom Hanks, like there's not a single thing he put out that wasn't great in the 90s. You've got his romantic comedies with Meg Ryan, Joe vs. the Volcano, Sleepless in Seattle. You've got Mail. You've got Oscar-winning, critical, critically acclaimed dramas, Philadelphia, Saving Private Ryan. Like, it, there's just, I don't think there's any other actor who can have a decade that compares to what Tom Hanks did in the 90s. Okay. Adam Cole, who's your actor to go, to go head-to-head with Tom Hanks and, and be better? And be better? And I have to only pick one actor for the yes. entire, mm. same, same thing. It's that head-to-head, gosh. I'll let you make your other arguments afterwards, but go head-to-head with Tom Hanks. Who are you sending out there? Hold on, let me look at my list. All right, I'll give you a second. <laughs> I'm gonna, no, hold on. Did he do that many movies in the 80s? Because I'm gonna go Tom Cruise. He Ooh. killed it. He killed Another it. Another strong 80s. contender in the 90s, too. <laughs> yeah, but it was Tom a strong Cruise contender in timeless. the 80s as well. I mean, we got Maverick, we got Top Gun. Oh, we got, well, that was a 90s movie. Dang it. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Um, we've got risky business. The Outsiders. By the way, I want to say that the Outsiders launched the career of four actors that are still known today and that are in movies and TV shows today. And Tom Cruise is one of them. Uh, he was in The Color of Money, Rain Man, Cocktail, one on the Fourth of July. I mean, you pick Cocktail. I think you picked the best one to go head to head with Tom Hanks because they have such a very different genre that they specialize in mm-hmm. you have tom hanks who does your dramas almost exclusive i mean almost exclusively where cruise is almost exclusively action movies if you want them to be at their best that's what they're doing uh so i mean that'd be an interesting audience vote to to know which one would well, actually i mean, I mean in that regard i think tom hanks in action movies is better in the 90s than he was in the 80s <laughs> i mean not Tom Hanks, Hanks. Tom Cruise Cruise. is better in action movie. Name me a Tom Hanks action movie that's like not (laughs) Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) Saving Private Ryan isn't even really an action movie. No, it's not. (laughs) No, I meant Tom Cruise. Okay. That one would be arguable too, but it it was was still an admirable choice. I like it. So Cole, what was your, so go ahead, give us your your big spiel here, because I know you were excited about the actors and actresses here being well, I mean, you wouldn't their have careers. again, we keep going back to this, you wouldn't have what the 90s is or what they say it is without these actors that started in the 80s, and I, I'll just throw four of them out there Johnny the Depp's got to start Johnny Depp's got to start in the, in the 80s Tom Cruise got to start in the 80s Kevin Costner got to start in the 80s and Keanu Reeves got to start in the 80s All right I think Keanu you're a scratch not a with actor. Keanu Reeves or a good actor. <laughs> okay, fine. Bruce Willis. I got 26 names here. I've just named five. And also Tom Hanks got his start in the 80s. Yeah, but all these people who got their start in the 80s just got better in the 90s. Right. In better I, movies. I disagree. I mean... I also think I would be remiss if that, like, speaking as I've... For anybody who listened in the last couple weeks, I've touted Robin Williams as one of my favorite actors of all time ever and i mean if you want to talk about a diverse catalog in the 90s you've got hook you've got fern gully you've got aladdin you've got an overrated movie in my opinion just to throw that out there um you've got jumanji you've got the birdcage you've got um i think hatch adams he was in hamlet but still it counts goodwill hunting amazing what dreams may come? Come on, man! Like it's a liar. Dark. 
I agree with Aaron. Robin Williams can do anything. Can do anything. So, like, Tom Hanks, yes, National Treasure, love him forever, love him in drama. But if you want, like, an extremely diverse catalog from one actor, like, that is 90s definition for me as well. I couldn't, I couldn't, like, go by without saying So which one are you guys picking to put against the 80s? Because now I'm confused. Okay, no. we're past the single actor now. Like, <laughs> I mean, you just and, listed and, five whose careers started. I'm listening. And to make and to make an argument to your Robin Williams thing, he kind of got to start in the '80s as well with Dead Poets Society. And we've all had the argument that that's one of the best movies of the '80s. And that's not oh, a start for, sure. for him. That's one of his best movies, and that's one of the best movies of the '80s. And and there it is in '89. But, but his whole catalog fleshed out in the '90s. And he was able, he wasn't just a, I don't know, he was able to do a lot, get back to comedy, do more comedic things, ad lib for hours on tape and film. And, and I mean, then if they you would wanna, like have to trim it down. If you want to talk iconic roles, uh, Robin Williams' iconic roles, 95% of them are in the 90s. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that, but you guys are, I, I feel like you just going because everything, you guys keep going, the- everything's starting in the 80s. And so the 90s aren't happening What for what you think they are is the best. None of that's happening without people getting their shot in the 80s, and so therefore... Okay, but a lot of things you've named people. as being starting things, like Dead Poets Society's in 89. Still So, the like, 80s. by six months, we missed it. You know what I mean? Like, you're Bummer. acting like all this stuff happened in 80, 81, and you just carried us into the 90s from there. Right. Missed it by that much. <laughs> Cole, I'm you're... disappointed with us. You know what movie we missed? Which one? We missed Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, that's a great one. That is a great yeah. movie. I forgot about that. That's also not in the 90s. Um, if you want to watch a movie that's just centered around Robin Williams doing stand-up comedy, that's, oh, that's the movie. That movie is so, so funny. And it's getting added back to my watch list. <laughs> <laughs> so what about actresses? Flip gears. Who's your best actress? Uh, we'll go back to the, uh, the 90s first for actors. We'll do 80s first for actresses. Silence. 80s first? Oh, sorry. I thought you said 90s first. <laughs> I thought you said 90s first too. Um, so I would argue that your your most popular, I don't know if she's your best, but your most popular uh, in the 80s is Molly Ringwald. Yep. I mean, she's the most basically popular. every John Hughes movie most out there. What was that? <coughs> I said most recognizable from the 80s for sure. Definitely. Most talented, I don't know. Most recognizable. I'm yeah. not saying she was most talented. <laughs> who's your most Who's your most talented then? Uh, Julia Roberts. I mean, she started with yeah, Mystic Pizza, and she got Pretty Woman. Again, uh, Pretty Woman was nineties. Argument again. Yeah. Pretty Woman was nineties. Are you sure? Pretty Woman was yeah. nineteen ninety. Okay. Oh, my bad. So we got Mystic Pizza. Um, let's see what else we got here with with Julia Roberts. Uh, Steel Magnolias. I've heard good things about that. Never seen that movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she got her start, but I would candy. say that Goldie Hawn is great in the. I I don't know, man. I mean, like uh, Robin Wright got her start. She did really good in the eighties, and she's still relevant to today. Um, Adam, what do you got? I feel like I'm doing a lot of the talking. <laughs> you are doing a lot of talking. You're doing a really good job too. Keep it up. Uh, <laughs> you know, for for actress, I'd probably throw out Michelle Pfeiffer. Ooh, there you go. You know, she was in Falling in Love Again. Uh, amazing. Amazon Woman on the Moon. That one, uh, Dangerous Liaisons, though. Nailed that role. Wasn't she mm-hmm. also Catwoman? 
in the nineties. That wasn't. The I 80s, thought that was the nineties. I thought that was the second one. I thought so. That's the only. That's I know. It's not the only role I know her for. It's one of the one of the main roles I know her for. All right, nineties actresses. What do you guys got over there? Phew, my iPods just died. I didn't hear anything they just said. Or my oh, Airpo- wow. AirPods. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, it's funny that they mention Julia Roberts because uh, Julia Roberts became a star in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just breaking into A-list films at the beginning. I mean, Mystic Pizza is an all right movie in hindsight, but like it wasn't a big splash. Pretty Woman was huge. Pretty Woman she was like, I think 19 Julia Roberts when she was in that movie. National attention. Like, yeah. So she started out as A-list, and how did you phrase it, Matt? I really like the way you said it. Uh, she started the decade being catapulted to the A-list and ended it with an Oscar. Like, yeah. What did she win the Oscar for? Aaron Brockovich, which didn't yeah. actually come out until January of twenty of two thousand. So, um, but if you get Morgan Freeman, we get Julia Roberts as Oscar. But I'm saying her career just like took off in the '90s. She became America's sweetheart. Like. You, you can't compete with 90s Julia Roberts in terms of, like, beloved status. Do you um, have the list of her movies? I would say that's probably true. Um, I mean, so you started the decade with Pretty Woman, she, uh, and then she was just in, like, a string of hit romantic comedies, My Best Friend's Wedding, Notting Hill, Runaway Bride. Uh, like I said, she just took off, and America fell in love with her. Yeah, she, was, she is uh, the 90s... Uh, or I guess I should say it this way. Rachel McAdams took the torch from her for rom-coms in the 2000s after she got done with it in the 90s. Because Rachel McAdams got, then got cast in like all those same type of style films. And to your point, like not necessarily like critically acclaimed films necessarily, even though there are a handful, but they're the ones mm-hmm. that just make people love that actor or actress. And in that case, like, like tell me somebody who doesn't like Rachel McAdams. Like nobody doesn't because she's just she's the top of my list. My wife knows that she's the top of my. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, you can also hers isn't quite as diverse because um, obviously she was like the rom com America sweetheart, but she also had Sleeping with the Enemy in there. Um, she had the Pelican Brief with Denzel across from a young Denzel Washington. That movie is intense. Um, you know, she did Mary Riley. Um, which is one of my mom's favorite movies. It's a little obscure, but it was pretty serious thing when it came out. Stepmom, and then you know, ending it with Aaron Brockovich, and then then she started doing things for fun. But I feel like not the most diverse catalog, but definitely she touched on a lot of different things. And again, had both like projects that she was just like taking because they were rom coms, obviously in my opinion. But then you also have like a lot of serious films sprinkled out in there. She had established herself on that A list. She had been seen and she was able to start branching out from where she started. I mean, I, I wanna throw in here that I think we encounter the same problem with actresses in both the eighties and nineties, in that yeah. Hollywood was a lot more sexist back then and like yeah. women were very much only allowed to be like a very specific thing. It, or, for a large part, anyway. Highly regulated to, like, your supporting roles. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Or, or like getting you, the leads. You didn't yeah. have... And not getting the noms. You no, didn't have anymore. these movies that were, like, major female-led things unless they were, like, romantic comedies. It's like... It, it's a sad saying. fact of the time period for both decades. Um, so, you, so, like, you don't have these, like, majorly critically acclaimed actresses with strings of like Oscar nominations with the exception of Meryl Streep who's been like 
getting nominated for every Oscar since like 1970. I'm pretty uh, sure the Academy just does it at this point because they don't 80s. know how or the 90s, not to. I, mean. I think like they just feel bad now when they leave her off of a ballot and they're like, no, we got to write her in. <laughs> like it, she's staying on the ballot. Did she make a movie this year? Then she's going on the ballot. But yeah, I mean, with that, with that like one exception, you don't really have many actresses who are like doing these really strong, deep mm-hmm. critical roles. Uh, over and over again like you have one-offs like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs uh, Mm. but you don't have anyone who's like consistently getting these types of roles because that's just not the way Hollywood operated at the time and I feel like if um we were talking we were also discussing Claire Danes and I feel like if she had been just a little bit older at the start of that she could have been one of those roles she could have been one of those defining people because she had some decent acting chops from a young age. And she was in a lot of wonderful movies in the 90s too. But again, she wasn't anything serious or like critically acclaimed enough to be, or star enough in the ones that were getting noticed um, to ever even get a nom, I think we we realized today. Okay. So, I mean, I I, I, I definitely understand where you guys are both coming from. And and just, I mean, hearing you guys talk about it, you could tell like there's there's a clear line there. So let's talk about the people responsible for that a little bit, the directors of the decades of films. Uh, so there were, I mean, we have some iconic names that are about to be said here. Uh, and yes, obviously a product of the time. Uh, who do we have? I can have, I have a guess at the 90s, so I'm going to let you guys go first because I think it's going to be less of a surprise. I'm, cu- I'm really curious who you think I'm, we're going to say from the 90s. Spielberg. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be Spielberg. <laughs> I don't know I mean, who else you'd pick, to be honest. <laughs> let, me, let me preempt, Cole, because yes, Spielberg got his start before the 90s. Uh, but the <laughs> 90s... in the 70s. <laughs> but the <laughs> 90s... Got a second Spielberg, talking about. The 90s Spielberg gave us three absolutely iconic movies, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, and Saving Private Ryan. Like, mm-hmm. where do you even go from there? Wasn't Jaws in there, too? Mm-hmm. No? Jaws is an well, 80s movie? Jaws is the 70s. Oh damn, that movie's yeah. that holds up well. It's like yeah. seventy seven or yeah. something. Like I said, he got his start in the seventies because Jaws. <laughs> Dang, I was, I'm just glad I was right. I was like, I was pretty sure that was a Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. But so okay. yeah, I mean, I mean, the nineties Spielberg just kind of like owned everything. <laughs> yeah, even in the stuff he wasn't uh, directing himself. I mean, he was producing Amblin Entertainment. Yeah, with their name on everything mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, he had his name all over everything in Hollywood if, in the nineties. If we if we want to go with that same sentiment, he had his hands all over pretty much everything in the eighties too. Yeah, he did not. <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> Any, anything but put out by Amblin Entertainment that came out of you know the Star Wars whole thing. He was on board with all of those films and then he's he broke off and did his own thing with et and a handful of other flicks um but i don't think that's who we're actually gonna go with ah so who are dun, you dun, dun. unless i'm unless i'm reading cole wrong <laughs> i was like maybe go ahead <laughs> because i'll i will let you know if you're wrong uh, are, are, we, are we going with uh john hughes I mean, John Hughes was epic in the 80s. The problem was that he didn't transfer out of the 80s. Nope. Um, nope. But I mean, every man movie, had a type. And he only made movies in the 80s. So, uh, but if we're looking for someone that has transcended 80s to 90s, to me, it's, it's up in the air between James Cameron and Oliver Stone. Because Cameron had Alien, mm. Terminator, and the abyss in the 80s and oliver stone had platoon wall street born on the fourth of july 
And to me, I can't really pick one of those out of those two. Cameron. Cameron? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going long-term, Cameron's <laughs> definitely it, except for I think he's reaching when it comes to Avatar. Oh, oh he's sure. definitely reaching when it comes to Avatar. <laughs> oh, he's, he He's wanting to make it happen just like Fetch, and nobody really wants it to happen. Like, everybody, uh, was, everybody was blown away with the first Avatar, and it was, it was gorgeous. It was fantastic. He, Stunning and, achievement of filmmaking. Yep, he, he'd, have to, he'd have to reinvent filmmaking again in order to make the next Avatar something I, yeah, even more grand. And it's completely possible he will, you know? He's going to be the... That- Go He's going to be the one that finally makes, like, scent in movies where it's like... <laughs> Smell-o-vision is right. I, I believe the, uh, the studios already have that one covered, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that was something that in the uh, early 2000s, Universal had their 3D or 4D theater that had the movement oh, yeah. and smell. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's still there at Universal, at Universal Studios in Orlando. No, he'll do something where you can like holographically transport yourself there throughout the movie. You're acting in it yourself, like a choose your own adventure. Everything <laughs> will be like shot on 360 cameras. You'll just be like, you're right, you're just in, in it. And... Oh my God, that would be You have intense. to watch it on a threshold yeah. and run. Jurassic Park would be intense in that kind of a setting. It'd be <laughs> great. I don't know how intense Avatar would be, but Jurassic Park would be intense. <laughs> no, I, I'd go with that. But I mean, to Adam's point though, John Hughes made... Uh, seven, eight movies in the 80s and all of them are notable. Like, there are iconic 80s classics that you watch today. Rewatchability is high. 16 Candles at Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Uncle Buck. I've never seen Science. You've never seen Weird Science? No. It it definitely fits into that whole 80s weirdness that you guys talk about (laughs) that's not appropriate for kids. I mean, I I think, I do think John Hughes is the director for me that, like, most iconically feels like the 80s. Yeah. I will give that. I just, I felt like if we were trying to pick somebody that was 80s and beyond, I'd have to go with James Cameron. No nod to George Lucas, huh? He didn't make it past the piece. Yeah, I mean, George George Lucas didn't actually direct many movies. George. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Jersey made, made all his money off of merchandise. Yeah, yeah I mean, did. it was just the IP of Star Wars that he made a billion dollars off of and was like, yep, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to take it with this and piss off all of my fans. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. Another Star Wars reference and Ron isn't here to hear it. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, isn't it better that way? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if... <laughs> If we really want to talk about George Lucas as a director, he did direct all three of the Star Wars prequels. And, well, <laughs> I mean, that's why I must say Ram would have been all over George Lucas being like one of the best directors in the, of like the uh, 2000s because of how much he loves the prequels. Um, Doesn't but, make him a great director. No. no. <laughs> I mean, especially when you're talking about the prequels. Sorry, sure, I'm moderately phoning it in, I think. Just look how many talented actors were in those movies that are just giving like absolutely god awful performances. Yeah. Right. Also, like, talk about launching careers, unfortunately. Like, that was something that they really did, just have all these amazing people fairly early in some of their careers. And it was like, well, thank God you're pretty. And you and McGregor still held up. Yeah. Speaking of the only one. That's because he's a baller. You and McGregor is, like, the only actor who came out of those movies looking good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of launching careers, I do, we talked, we didn't talk about this movie in the 80s podcast, 
but as I was doing research for today, I, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but The Outsiders, it launched Rob Lowe, it launched Tom oh, yeah. Cruise, it launched Patrick Swayze, mm-hmm. um, it launched Emilio Estevez, and Char- uh, not Charlie Sheen, um, but, but then it also had 80s classics like um, uh, Ralph Macchio was in that, C. Thomas Howell was in that. I mean, like, Ralph if you go back Macchio. and watch, and that movie's good, and it's done by Francis Ford Coppola, who did it's good. Um, a ton of movies starting in like the 70s and the 60s and stuff like that. But I mean, like, if you look at that movie and rewatch it, its rewatchability is pretty, I'd say it's, it stands. Um, I, and not whatever, to make a case for that movie, but it also stands very true to the book, which was not super yeah. common. It was like, oh, we like this book. book, we like the setup, we hate the ending. And then they would just change everything at the end. I mean, see, unfortunately, that's still very common. <laughs> yeah. I know, and it drives me nuts. But no, I always think whenever I think of the outsiders, I always I also think of the Warriors. Um, yeah, which is, which is a great. Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's Lost Boys. Never that's mind. That's Lost Boys. Yeah. Warriors, come out and play. Yeah, I don't think you've seen that movie. I'm gonna make you watch that movie. It's a great movie. What movie? It's all about kids and gangs together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all about kid gang violence. It's again the type of movie that you couldn't make now because parents <clears> would be like, "I'm not letting my kids see this." But I'm gonna let them play GTA. If we want to talk about <laughs> if we want to talk about great movies that like nobody has seen uh, from the '90s, Drop Dead Gorgeous is one Amazing. of the funniest movies I've Phenomenal ever seen in my movie. life. And again, a it's stellar good. cast that you would not have put in that movie together until you see it. Huh. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So, I think on that note, I'm gonna wrap us up for for today. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that you. I don't think you can, and, and I hadn't been in this opinion beforehand. I mean, I was leaning 90s to begin with. Um, but Cole... Judge Cole, acknowledging um, his bias. Yes, exactly. I got to be true. Transparency. Um, Cole and Adam, though, made some really good points about the setup. And I mean, you've seen this carry on even into the 2000s. The reason we have like these movies that consistently are breaking the records of like highest grossing film, um, and we're seeing box office totals just go insane because movies just keep getting better or getting like larger um getting larger is true for sure yeah, I mean, that's for sure uh and so i can't i don't think i can put a finger on a winner if i had Weak. to choose if i had to choose it i'd probably give Technical. the 90s the actors category and probably the director but i'd give the 80s the movies honestly i think you guys made some really fire right, but hold on can i make one two out of three last ditch effort for what which category for the 80s and how you wouldn't like they have an entire tv show on based on its nostalgia stranger things which is basically based on the goonies <laughs> die hard created its own genre of movies that the 90s just stole uh romantic comedies with when harry met sally that whole romantic comedy that we now is just the you know the norm for romantic comedies started in the 80s and the horror genre really became what it is today with Jason and Chucky mm. and Friday right. er, and uh, Freddy Krueger. I mean, Poltergeist, Aliens. I, I mean, I don't, like, again, I always go back to that you can't have the 90s without the 80s, but I'm really telling you, the 80s created all the different things that we love about the 90s, including many genres within it, and established them long into the 2000s. And you then the 90s point, went and did it better. I so you bring up a good point of like the, the tropes being established there. I think you'd have to go head-to-head in each genre almost to figure out like who did it better rather than as like a, a whole. Um, 
we're not going to do that in this podcast. Uh, but but also, I think it's I don't know. I got to come in. I got to come in hot with an opinion here, and that like I don't think you can credit no. romantic comedies to the '80s either. Like, yeah, they set up the more modern version, but they were. I mean, romantic comedies were set up in the '40s with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, witty banter, quick true. jokes. I mean, you know, yeah, fighting in the rain was a love. classic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you I mean, really like, want to go back, that goes you can back go to Shakespeare. Way farther. Yeah. Then, so like maybe set up the modern. <laughs> Like the modern thing, but Romeo then it's even going the there original since romantic then. comedy. Yes. <laughs> what did you say, Matt? I said Romeo and Juliet, the original romantic comedy. Because I think I don't think you read that one right. Because <laughs> nothing's funnier than being so overly dramatic about your fourteen-year-old love that you kill yourself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Listen, Shakespeare knew angst clearly. Who needs psychiatrists? He just knew. This is how it is when you have hormones. <laughs> no, my my fan theory is that. Romeo and Juliet is literally just like Shakespeare making fun of like overly dramatic young lovers. <laughs> like And rich people fighting over rich people things. I mean that's that's still a lot of comedy. <laughs> right. Uh so appreciate everybody that tuned in today. I would love to get your guys' feedback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, DM us. Let us know who which genre you think or which decade, sorry, not genre, you think is best. Is it the nineties or is it the eighties? Uh, we'll definitely look into exploring this a little bit more uh, closely. I think I didn't. I didn't realize as, as we got into this last few weeks that we were going to get so uh, heavily debated around some of these. We might have to go. I, like I said, we might explore some of these genres a little bit more in depth here as we move forward. But uh, appreciate you all tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Lit Reviews. And until next time, enjoy your quarantine streaming.